Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got an heart. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. Hey, everybody. What's up? And welcome back to another episode with the Jersey Ghouls. That's right. And we are continuing our history of horror fall here at the Jersey Ghouls headquarters. We are getting all academic and we are now heading into the 1930s. Very exciting. And we, we, when we were sitting down to pick out the movies, it was not intentional that we do a dedication to Todd Browning, but... Uh (laughs) I'm not going to lie. When I picked these two movies, I knew that Todd Browning directed Freaks. I did not know Todd Browning directed Dracula. So I, I probably get some sort of history, horror slash academic uh, demerit for this. And if this was like Hogwarts, they'd be like 20 points from Hufflepuff because I'm an yeah. idiot and I didn't know that. But I'm hoping that by the end of this episode, I can get those 20 points back, maybe win the House Cup. We'll see. You never know. They just always give it to Gryffindor at the end anyway. So I'm sorry. That was a bit of a diatribe. (laughs) This is me off when they do that. The stupid Gryffindors, just because Harry's a Gryffindor. You know, it it always has to go to Harry. It's always about Harry. Why is that whole entire series about Harry Potter? Seriously. Why? Why? Jesus. Just because fucking Voldemort makes your horcrux suddenly you're hot shit. Oh man, who do we go hating on Harry Potter? So I know two, I know two people who love the books and movies. Oh yeah, this you know, is it's a great time too... to, for me to remind J.K. Rowling to go fuck herself. Thank oh. you. <laughs> exactly. How dare you ruin something so sacred yeah. in my heart? If this is a this is a eat our ass uh, <laughs> from two very proud Hufflepuffs. Eat right? yeah. our entire ass, like the whole thing. I know. Yeah, because... <laughs> you know what? No, not even. No, I don't want not, you. Don't like even get that in my right. downtown. No. no, she gets to eat poo. And yeah. just, just a friendly reminder. Thank you for ruining the thing we love. Anywho, back to the 1930s, back to black and white. We are heading right into the world of shall we start with freaks? We can do either. I'm I'm down to chronologically, right? Uh Dracula came first. Oh, okay. Um, so let's so let's start off with Dracula. Dracula. <laughs> that, you know what? And even my Dracula, that's more Gary Oldman than Bella. That is, yeah. No offense. No, but well, you know what? I was doing my hand. I was practicing my hand though. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing, Bella Lugosi. It always reminds me of Ed Wood because I'm always like, I sit there with the movie now every time I watch it because of Ed Wood and I do the Dracula hand. You know what? Um, I I do want to touch on something we talked about just before we hit the record button. Um, we both generally enjoyed this Dracula movie, but we both agreed if if we're sitting down and someone says, let's watch an adaptation, we're both going Francis Ford Coppola, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And and I'm not. I'm almost like embarrassed to admit that again. Twenty points from Hufflepuff because I I know it's not. I know we're gonna have no points left. Slytherin's gonna beat us. Um, I I almost feel like it, it's the it's not the classy response. But pound for pound, if I'm sitting down to have a good time and snuggle up with a sexy drac, which I always want a sexy vampire. Like, right. and I know that might be mean, but I always want my vampires a sexy. Um, yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's a place for like the 30 days of night vampires, but right. not me. You can, I want a little, can be spooky. Although I, I, I want a little so, tingle in a silly place. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, uh, I said that. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was good. No, I like it. Sorry, Bob. Don't listen. Yeah, anymore. no, that's going to be a soundbite. I'm going to capture that, and that's going to be whenever you text me. 
It's going to say I'm tingling in a silly place. Um, no, I mean, I agree. I think part of it could be, I mean, when we think of Dracula, what that came out in 92. Correct. So that, that's the Dracula that we grew up with, honestly, you know, like yeah. it's, that, that's the one that we, I think probably when we were kids, for the most part, we're more familiar with it. Like we knew about the universal monsters. We're way more familiar with Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. There's also the, the realization that Coppola's was a direct adaptation of the novel. This 1931 joint is an adaptation of the play. That's right. Starring Bella Lugosi. That was an adaptation of the book. So yeah, I read that he did the performance something like 260 plus times. He did. Yeah. I, you know what? And just a quick Bella Lugosi appreciation. There oh, were please. moments in this movie where I was like, yeah, I, I, I touch his penis. Like he had some, he had oh, some like sure. moments of like. I, listen, you want to talk about. <laughs> I think in my head, I always see like Bella Lugosi like old man or like for some reason in his like white zombie makeup like I don't know for some reason I always I see him kind of older me too but in this one I was like oh. yeah I'd give him directions in Central Park you yeah. know what I'm saying like yeah. if a nice is little that a euphemism is that is that a euphemism? Um, it can be for my can, for can that be our my euphemism place? now on Marissa I'd be like hey Marissa can you uh I'm feeling stressed Marissa feel stressed. Can, you give can you give me directions, directions to Central, Central Park please in Central Park not to Central Park in directions in Central Park in Central Park, Central Park. Yes. right we have to That's establish right. the mood um no I'm with you I would I would do dirty things with Dracula in fact there are a few Draculas in history I wouldn't do dirty things with but that's just me Dracula does it for me in that non you know like like, you know, you're a bit of a misogynist. You're obviously not going for consent, but I'm going to go for it anyway. Oh, yeah, kind of vibe. Right. Yeah. No. Um, but yeah, so let's talk Dracula. I mean, my first, you know, watching these movies kind of side by side, I, I have to, this is my hot take. Freaks is pound for pound my preferred movie of the two of these. That's, and I know that's a hot take. I do. You know what? That one, that one is tough for me because I feel like they are in such different avenues of a horror movie. That's fair. You know, like it's, I didn't just, come prepared think, to the table to pick which one. No, it's fine. I think just like tough. looking at it from like an academic, like history of horror kind of, kind of uh, lens, there's no doubting that both of these movies are so different and so pivotal in their contributions to horror. I think we were right to choose these. They're perfect follow-ups to our 1920s discussion. But at the end of the day, when I look at the style, when I look at overall, like just the, not the even direction, like the cinematography, all of that. I mean, it's no secret that Todd Browning was a mess when he made this movie. In fact, yeah. he was, it was said he was an alcoholic. It was said that he would storm off set and the poor director of photography would have to do most of the work. So there's no different there. To me, there's a noticeable difference in the film that he's a mess on and doesn't really do the grunt work for versus freaks where I think you really see a certain aesthetic beauty that I just love and a thematic relevance that is so, so interesting yet so uncomfortable, but I'll get into that. Um, but yeah, no, for me watching this with my like Jersey ghouls, horror academic pants on was a really weird different kind of watch for me. I mean, I grew up watching Dracula, like so many horror fans, you know, but like, I look at it now and I'm like, man, this movie's such a great statement on how afraid men were of women's liberation. It's such a great statement on the be a good broad or else. And it's mm -hmm. it's profoundly, you know, like to me, both of these films really kind of talk to the whole, like, if you are a promiscuous or sexually owning aware woman, right yeah. like lucy 
you're gonna yeah. get what's coming <laughs> you know like so so to me these tropes are hard to digest of course I do look at them knowing that I don't have to apply the same standards we do today to film but I will say pound for pound Bella Lugosi's performance is so delightful to me he's he's so important because when you look at Bella Lugosi's Dracula Bella Lugosi's Dracula is the reason why when we were eight years old and we went to the drugstore to get our Halloween costume, that's the reason that our Dracula, our vampire costumes look that way. He's the yeah. reason that our vampires had the big collar, the little medallion on the Absolutely. thing. You know, he- Delightful he little is, accents. Yeah, I mean, I want <laughs> to suck your blood. Right, like that, it's, icon- it's iconic. His performance was just yeah, iconic. Like that's the reason we say, I want to suck your blood is because of Bella Lugosi. Right. and. Yeah, we we wouldn't have vampires in the stratosphere that we have them without his performance. If you had anybody else in that role, I mean, they had said that who was it? It was um, Lon Chaney Sr. at one point mm-hmm. could have played the role. Yeah, and it's like it wouldn't. Have- I mean, you think about it now, uh, we would have a whole different, I think, image of what a vampire is if we had somebody else playing it. Which is funny because that's not even what Bram Stoker's dracula was like in the book in the book dracula like he's it's kind of more of the gary oldman thing where he's kind of like a grisly old man he drinks blood and gets younger but even in the book when he drinks blood and gets younger he's not well-mannered handsome he's just a younger version of the slightly younger too i mean he's basically my age when he's at his youngest and let me tell you i know spring chicken you know what i'm saying um we're spring chickeny now here's no we're not now here's the uh my my quadri you have to put a pin in when you think he died in life what do you go with because when you look at bella you're like homie i would i would i would take an essential i would give you directions in central park yeah but i think you're like 50 right uh, yeah i mean i put him i put him like he in dies the, at age 50 in my head yeah like i i put him at the older gentleman category silver yeah, fox he, without the yeah. summer yeah absolutely yeah, i'm with you um so so let's talk all right first of all let's talk about redfield because he's um, my favorite he's my favorite and he's I, your favorite too he is my favorite. He is mine. I have that note that Renfield in any in any adaptation of Dracula, Renfield I, is always my favorite character. How did we not know this about each other? I have a little heart and the word Renfield in my notes because I just I adore him. He's such a victim. And, and getting put in the cuckoo's nest and then still like be like secretly helping them, but then try to get away with it. That's a sneaky bitch move that I could really get behind. Like yeah. he's a sneaky bitch. He just wants to eat his cucarachas. Man, I, this is a man after my own heart. Because that's one of those roles where you can have such a fun portrayal. And the one, it's the kind of role that also has so many levels because you can, you can play Runfield, cuckoo bananas, like just grabbing the bugs and eating them up. You could also play Renfield kind of subtly, maniacally, you know, under Dracula's control and doing his bidding. Uh, but yeah, this, this rendition, I've, uh, Dwight something I forget the guy's name that oh, plays him in this Dwight movie. Dwight oh, thank you Dwight no Schrute. I'm just kidding uh, Dwight Schrute's from The Office <laughs> I know that much I know you hate The Office but I don't hate The Office it just bored me after a certain season anyway um you um, know which Redfield I always think of Dead and uh, Loving It every time I was gonna say uh yeah Peter McNichols from Dracula <laughs> yes. Dead and Loving It 
maybe hands down the greatest Renfield ever um yeah well no unfortunately this actor he got typecast and he kept after this movie like he did it so well that he kept getting typecast as kind of like the cuckoo bananas character white fry Dwight Fry, or Fry. Dwight I don't something. know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he unfortunately kind of kept getting typecast and it kind of bummed him Aww. out because I Nobody mean, it, it, it happens to actors who play something really well and everyone just wants kind of a, like a, some sort of a photocopy of that performance. Oh, oh poor, poor Renfield. <laughs> it's funny because I called him Renfield. See what I did yeah. um, oh, the shot of him when uh, you had said something about how you like the cinematography better in Freaks. I do. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Dracula on that one because okay. I felt like there were so many interesting shots. One of my oh, favorites. like the spider web, right? Well, that actually the one I was thinking, one of my favorite, just visually pleasing shots of the whole movie was when uh, the ship comes ashore and they hear Renfield laughing and they lift the hatch of the ship shot. and it's just the POV of looking down the steps and he's holding on to the rails and he got his big bug eyes wide and he's just giggling like you know, I you're love right that pound shot. for pound it's such a beautifully shot movie you're right and I, it, they're just so different maybe it's they really they, no they too. really they are they they are very different in that regard uh, it's more like it's it's more maybe like a dramatic storytelling that they were trying to do with Dracula uh like the way that the way that they lit Dracula, where they always had the light going across his eyes. Like that to me was such such a brilliant choice because that's where so much of his power comes from. That's how he's, you know, entrapping the women and, you know, he's it's, it's all in the eyes. Oh my God, right? His mind control and his, the way he kind of controls the people around him. And, and I'm going to talk about his mind control and why I get worked up about it as an anti-feminist, you know, kind of piece in just, in just a moment. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. You, you know, thinking about it, you're right. The way this film is shot is truly beautiful. The use of shadows, just the cinema, just the, the landscapes, the Gothic feel. It's so cool, especially when they're at Dracula's castle. I mean, to me, that spider web is, is one of the, like, when people say quick think horror, that spider web and him going through it and then Renfield having to break it. You know what's funny? In my head, I always forget it's Renfield in the castle at the beginning in the original Dracula. I always think yeah. it's Keanu Reeves, which is very confusing I did, in my life. I did the same exact thing as I'm watching it. I'm watching it, you know, I'm like, okay, okay, I'm moving along. And when he calls him Renfield, I was like, oh, that's right. right, it's right. not Jonathan Harker. <laughs> I do that Keanu. It's like, oh my God, Dracula, oh. it's not Keanu. Oh, um, <laughs> you do a good Keanu. Thank you. <laughs> Mine's terrible. So, okay. I read an article called Masculinity, Femininity, and anemone and other curiosities anemones <laughs> no it's called masculinity femininity and other curiosities in browning's freaks and dracula um by an author named Un, and i can definitely link it in the notes and i gotta say it was a really interesting read because it definitely put a really harsh lens on on both of these films in relation to women's rights but to me i thought that less than maybe more than or i'm not even i'm gonna just stop comparing the two films i think that at the end of the day lucy it falls into the trope of like the the slutty best friend yeah uh mina's like the virginal final girl and and really the three brides don't get enough uh, space because i find them to be very fascinating actually like i like when movies kind of give them a little more power but basically like 
the the idea that both of these films exist as a kind of cautionary tale against uh you know women getting too much freedom women getting too much because jack is drawn to lucy because of her sexuality because she's so bold because she's a woman who speaks out and in turn he he turns her right he doesn't she, she doesn't just get killed whereas to me when i see other victims of dracula i just assume they're dead when it comes to to, to Lucy and to Mina, he makes the choice to turn them. And notice that the only other vampires we see are the three women, right? Mm-hmm. Which kind of makes me think of Drac almost as a uh, as a feminist hero. Now hold me out because I this is me just playing with this. This is not what this article said. This article did the argument of Drac is non consensual. Drac uses sexuality to manipulate women. The Harker and Van Helsing need to calm their tits. But here's what I think. I think the moment we see Mina Harker at her happiest, right? Although I would argue she's not Mina Harker, but that's for another day, I suppose, because she's not technically married to him, right? The minute we see Mina the most happiness is when she's already bitten. When she's like, you know what I love? Nighttime. You know what's beautiful? Everything. You know who's hot? This bitch. Like, and I might be paraphrasing there. But right, like, don't you feel like that's her moment? I agree. So I don't know, maybe Drac is secretly freeing women from the enslavery of men who think that they need to be protected, of not being able to be sexy and bold and outright. I don't know. It's just something I played with in my head. No, you know I love that. Okay. I do because, you know, he's, he is surrounding himself with, with strong bitches with these. Yeah. With, I would say with these strong women who, you know, and it's, you know, they, they are strong. They are like physically now they are stronger. They are immortal. They are more powerful. And I also, as as you were saying it, it made me think, and I'm curious because, you know, I know in the story, you know, he comes, Dracula comes from Transylvania, but when you compare England to Transylvania, I mean, you've got like a certain difference of culture. I mean, this is a time where you're saying, yeah, like women have very little rights. They are basically bred to be wives outside of that. um, You could, pop out a couple of kids and uh, yeah. you know pat you on your head that's your purpose and like we you are have no barely in post, right like we're barely in post suffrage america like we're barely getting our rights to be individuals not just property so it's yeah. like you know there's something to be said for the idea that men like van helsing and men like harker and men like the doctor and all of them are going around thinking women need protection, women are weak, women, you know, th- these broads, that we somebody's got to do something to help them. And again, it, it is a sign of the times that the, the protagonist female can't be strong. You know, she falls into that trope. But I'm just going to, my hot take is that Drac is the only man in this movie who rather than having like a hero complex and thinking he needs to protect the women, kind of empowers them to go live their best lives. And his argument with Van Helsing at one point, I was kind of like, like, I get where Van Helsing's coming from. He's trying to protect this girl, but doesn't this girl have any say in what she actually wants? Maybe she wants to be a vampire. You don't know her life, Van Helsing. And I know. Drax kind of like, back your shit up. Mind your fucking business. And there's something about it. And again, this is probably just the crush I've had on him for my whole life. But there's something about Jack where I'm like, yes, queen, you get it. Right. Well, you know what? And not to jump away from the 1931 and go back to Coppola's movie, Winona Ryder's character. She's Mina, right? She never looks at Jonathan Harker the way that she looks at Dracula. No, and like, it's, the, I don't think it's loving accidental. desire. And I think the same can be said about the way they look at Drac in this movie. Yeah. I think Lucy is overt in her kind of sexual plainness with him, which I, I got to say, shout out to the uh, to the girl who played uh, Lucy because she's from Philly. Yeah, remember 
Hey girl, hey. Hey girl. <laughs> but uh, yo, that's a good John to know. Um, I love a good, I love a good Philly reference. John, Dilly, what else? What else can you say to be Philly? Water. She probably loves her wateries. She loves water. And and Wawa and Murder Dirter. Um, yeah, I was just, speaking of, I just started Mayor of Easttown. I finished oh episode God. two at lunch at work today and almost like spit my food out at the end of episode two. Yeah, no, Murder by Dirter was a good show. I'll tell you what. Yeah, no, I'm digging it. I'm great. Although I feel, and you know what? I know that Kate Winslet just won the Emmy and I know that like the whole thing about the accent and the whole nine. I feel like she. Wait, why are all... people are people offended? Oh, you mean like you're just that she like went through with dialect and like really yeah, tried to nail she down went to, Delco. She went to walk, whatever. Had a, had a I feel like I feel like she laid it on a little thick sometimes because like I feel like every now and then she'd be like blah blah blah. Oh well, all right, guys, I'm gonna go home. See, here's like, the thing though. I I oh, thought yeah. so too, but then I thought of my friend who is from Delco and like literally grew up right around where that mo- that that show takes place. And I swear to God, she sounds just like her. She really yeah. does. And Nicole, if you're listening, I know you sometimes listen. I love you, girl, but you are murder my murder straight up. Like what? <laughs> up, she almost had like the Giada De Laurentiis thing where she spoke with a certain dialect and then really just pinpointed certain words, like really nailed them home. Like, hey fucking delco going home no i'm serious yeah no you're right at, at points it, it feels forced a little bit i swear to god if the people i know who are from delco don't really talk like that they and and like it's oh, funny because when, when we watched the show we were like man it's like hanging out with our friends like it was just hysterical it's a good show though dude it's gonna take a lot no i was happy i heard water I heard water in my dirt. So I was like, yeah, dude, I was hot take Kate McKinnon's take on that was the most iconic thing that came out of that. When she's like, guys, can you eat your hoagies? <laughs> like, I just, and then when she's like, oh, that's just gritty. What up, gritty? Like, it's just, she, <laughs> I think Kate McKinnon should have had that role because she killed Delco. It was like perfectly not over the top. It was amazing. All right, back to Dracula. Back to Speaking Dracula. of amazing accents, back, back to Dracula. Um, and then, like I said, I, I'm with you. I don't think Mina does ever looks at Jonathan even in this film the way she looks at Jack this kind of like fascination this lust this take you're going to take care of me in a way that these other men aren't like it's almost creepy and and probably subversive and problematic that we feel this way but I, I you know and I recognize why some people would say that Jack is just as guilty as anybody else of like victimizing women in this I think a yeah. feminist read on this film that kind of criticizes it is fair I'm saying you sure. could maybe right maybe turn that turn that screw the other side whatever I mean, that expression is <laughs> you know Jonathan Harker can give Mina a lot of things they can have a nice marriage they but a can big have penis is not whatever one, I right <laughs> but yeah but Drac can give her immortal mm-hmm. life you know Drac can right. worship her for the rest of eternity when Harker you maybe right. got a good 50 60 years at most if you're lucky if and, you're and lucky. not only that but like Drac I, I don't know there's just something so enticing and also so seductive about the way Lug- I gotta tell you I love Lugosi I do and when I watch Edward my heart breaks because I know so much of that is based on like the real downfall I of Lugosi. makes me want to punch like uh Karlov Karlov um <laughs> everybody in the face because I just I I just adore him because of this movie it is far and away my favorite I know it's not yours but it's my favorite of all the universal monsters is it yeah, yeah he's always, he's always gonna like be I said, in my heart and I've got the eight disc box set like I, I'm I'm I jammed with yeah yeah no it's Drac's great i have two more things about dracula let's do it one no fangs nope no teeth first he has he's got his just regular teethies i don't know like i think in my head i thought there were fangs i don't know why maybe it's like the nosferatu bleeding in and just other versions of Drac. but i was like 
I'm watching it and like halfway through, I'm like, like, where are they? Yes, you're right. I guess I, in my head, there's fangs. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. That's actually amazing. My last note, and I don't know if you noticed this or this is just my brain. So it's the end of the movie. We've killed Dracula. Mm-hmm. We've heard him, you know. What an anticlimactic battle. Death rattle, end, yeah. By the way. Jesus and so Christ. They're in Dracula's castle, right? So Jonathan and Mina, you know, Van Helsing is like, go take her, you know, go live your life. So Jonathan and Mina walk out of the little crypty area, mm-hmm. but they don't leave the castle. They start walking up the stairs of Dracula's castle. Hmm. And my last note is like the ending. Are they going to go upstairs and fuck? <laughs> Not appropriate. Like, is this? Come on, John. Is this how they spike? Is this Dracula? like once? Is this like once bitten where they yeah. do it real quick? The character. Yeah. Like, is it? this the big? You know, this is how. Like, this is how Mina is going to take back the power. Like, you know what? Now I am going to consent to some Jonathan Harker dick. Like, I swear. Like, why? Why would they walk upstairs? Why else would they walk upstairs and not leave the castle? Oh, I assumed they were going to go steal some valuable shit to sell because yeah. that's what I would do. <laughs> No, uh, I took that as Mina's like, you know what? This is how you consent. This is how right, you, you show them what's up, right? I mean, I probably to- not because it's 1931, but still in my brain, they went upstairs and they like picked out one of like Dracula's real fancy rooms. Right, one of they the good beds. All over the room. Oh, good for them, mm-hmm. right? That's how you really give it to, you know, if you're Jonathan Harker though, you're like, now you know what I'm going to do? Now I'm going to go bang her on your bed. That's yes. how fix you real good like. <laughs> I also found it interesting and incredibly uh, side of the times a uh, bullcrap homophobia that Drac wasn't allowed to, to bite men. Yes. Like, yeah. give me a break. 19. I know you can't help it, 1931, but stop it. Um, and again, like Bella Lugosi ad-libbed and kind of created so much of this. Like when he, you know, the line where he's like, I never drink wine. Like, and you're like, you cutie patootie, I'm going to make you, I'm going to get you drunk. He made that, like he ad-libbed that line. And like, he really showed up in that costume uh, thanks to the theater show. Like so much of that was his own choices. And even the accent was like, Bella Lugosi, like original Dracula is supposed to, like part of it is he's supposed to have a very pr- like prim, proper accent he's not supposed to have the dracula accent and we call it the dracula accent which just speaks volumes to how iconic it is because when i'm like good evening nobody doesn't know that it's him right you know what i mean and like i also think it's really crazy that um there's like a part of the film that like went missing altogether. um there's just so much interesting like just like mythology and history to this film and specifically to todd uh browning's really very short relationship with universal and ultimately his relationship with mgm because man that guy knew how to burn a bridge like no one's business but um you know i don't know i love this i love it i'm just gonna gush because I, I love you it. know what's so funny i feel like we came into this episode lukewarm on this <laughs> and we <laughs> yes. talked about it now we're like greatest film ever Jackson i know it's amazing what a good horror film will do to you huh like yeah. And there's so much to dissect. The one thing I will admit is that I love watching this film from an academic lens because every time I come away, like I remember when I just started getting to Jersey Ghouls watching this to be like, and now I watch it like, you know, four years later, having redefined my my images in my head of what it means to be feminist. I'm like, Meh. I kind of see a couple things in here that are interesting to poke at. So it's just one of those films that evolves with you through life. And that's why we're talking about it 90 years later, you know? Yeah. Oh, and it's a hundred year anniversary comes. We're going to feel so old. We're going to be 50. Yeah, that's disgusting. Why would you say something? We're going to be 
50. Yeah, we're going to be 50. God, we'll be so old. Will we be still doing that? Will I even have my wits about me enough to keep doing this show? This, we're just going to we're gonna gonna think we're Dracula. That's what it is. When we it's turn when, 50. I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like uh, Bala Lugosi sitting on the couch doing the, the Dracula hands, which you guys can't see us doing. I'm going to no, screenshot that. We should screenshot that and put it on the, no. the picture for this episode. <laughs> um, That's the thumbnail, not the movies. That's just going to yeah, be us. Just, and, and of course, it's just a picture. So it's going to be like... Yeah, these are all these visual jokes are awesome on a podcast. They always land. They always land so hard. All right, Jackie, gobble 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 gobble. Moving we on. We accept her. We, we accept her. her. One of us. us. Um, um, holy shit! This film just this fucking, movie is so good. This is why every horror, or every single horror critique book theory movie eli roth special every single one of them worth their weight even in any sort of way recognizing recognizes the linchpin which is this moment in horror and not only that but what a big pair of balls it it took to make this movie in 1932 so i told marissa earlier in our little chat today that i was putting on marissa pants yes and i am putting on i know sometimes i put on marissa pants to be a feminist this time i'm putting on marissa pants can we make like a jingle like everybody's talking about my wrist pants or something like that? Like like to the tune of tight pants. That would make a lot, that would really make me happy. I got I my, got wrist, my pants wrist, pants, wrist pants on. Yeah, could you? That would be, could I mean, it's that. the least we could do. <laughs> but no, so I put my Marissa pants on today because yes. I did a little research. Um, again, with these older movies, with these black and white movies, I am a slut for history um and this dirty horse i was filthy slut and this was just (laughs) this kind of just opened up the whole rabbit hole of sideshow circuses and exploitation of people with disabilities and just like it just i i was not doing a lot of my actual work at my job today going through some of the stuff i've come across it's a very roundabout conclusion so in the book written by john talson it's called subversive Horror cinema, counterculture messages of film from Frankenstein to present. Shorten your titles, please. Look like, at you. I know, right? Can I go? I'm going to order. Do I have this book or do I have to order it? I got to look. No, it's a lot the to the say. general conclusion of that book I found extremely interesting and I think really is kind of the overall theme about this movie and why it was like in 1932 so bananas that they made this movie. And that is, it's this subversion of character exemplifies a stark opposition to the core belief of eugenics, which that, you know, which says physical appearance is equated with your internal worth. And they're talking about the the Cleopatra character there and the way that the Cleopatra character is, is the villain. Now, mind you, she is of average height. She is very beautiful, you know, kind of thing, but she is the villain in the way that I think in 1932, people were looking at the performers in the freak show. You know what I mean? Like right? that's, that's like the whole point, right? Yeah. Cause one of my notes in this movie, when I first watched it before I started researching is, is this, is this helping or hurting the image of the circus performers that had the disability? Helping. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's again, what I eventually came to. Right, right. Um, one of my favorite moments is when the tables are completely turned and they start doing the gobble gaba gobble gaba we accept you one of us and cleo gets so enraged because like she's not one that is in need of acceptance like she's 
the quote unquote normal one. I she know. doesn't it's need so, acceptance. That scene just rips your heart out, bro. Like every Jesus, this movie rips my heart out every time. And it's it's in the horror of it is so horrific in such a true way that's so fascinating. Also, yeah. can we talk about little chicken her at the end? I fucking cracks my shit up every time. You are now a chicken <laughs> and you deserve every bit of that. And I don't know how they did this, but I'm here for it. And I wish I could do it to my enemies too. See now, and there's there's another thing that like re, you get in my brain sometimes because you you make me, like you make me watch movies and think instead of how just dare my I? Off. Oh my god! Because, how dare like you I'm watching what? it and like that's her punishment. Right. So like for all the evil shit she did, they punish her. And but her punishment aren't they to be punishing her to be to like be them? Like to be because a, now she has the you know? the greatest punishment of all is to make her live knowing how the world it's not the deformity that's the punishment it's the way the world looks at her that's yeah. the punishment okay i like that okay because right. I, like, I was kind of really struggling with that i'm like because right. like do they feel that they're alive like that their life is some sort of punishment and they're not no. anyway and the puppy society no i'm just kidding i'm quoting billy madison um no it's true it's not uh, like and and you're right it's such a poignant beautiful punishment because to at least to me because i'm like they make her deformed and it's not i mean granted i i would be lying if i said that the deformity of being a half human half chicken would be something that would really fucking suck i think her real punishment there isn't so much the deformity but the way the world is going to look at her for the rest of her life plus yeah to be fair the punishment is she's a chicken (laughs) and she's yeah I love chicken. She's a little chicken. I did. I love <laughs> that Todd Browning casts actual performers. Well, so the stories of how this all went down too. I don't know how how much down this rabbit hole you fell, but as if I needed another reason to hate F. Scott Fitzgerald, I got another. I'm so glad because screw you, F. Scott Fitzgerald, for writing The Great Gatsby, and making high school students read it for the next hundred years. Because here's my hot take. It's st- like the critic, uh, what's his name? The critic, John, John Lovitz. It stinks. It does. And there you go. I said it. I was an English teacher. I taught that book for years. It sucks. Characters are deplorable. Themes are problematic at best. Everything about it is gross. Anywho, that jerk sitting in the MGM cafeteria gets up and storms out because the people, the, the, the disabled people from the movie walked in to eat their lunch and he could not stomach being in the same place, slams his food like a big diaper baby, and then goes and complains to the head of NGM, who then tries to literally segregate them and say to Todd Browning, no, they're not allowed to eat lunch in the cafeteria. Like, you have to keep them on set. And Browning, for all his faults, turns to them and goes, F you, these are my people too, because he, as you said, he was a, a, a person who was engulfed in this kind of lifestyle at, before he was a, a, a director. He tells them to go F and they eat in the cafeteria every day from that moment on. And it's great. It was such, because not only does he, we do we still have the problem? And I would argue more with handicaps than anything else still, where you get capable, handicapable people to play handy, handy like disabled roles. Mm-hmm. So like Glee, that kid in the wheelchair was a perfect example, right? Um, movies like What's Eating Gilbert Grape. All of these types of movies are problematic at best. And we know better and we still continue to cast. Like, I got to give them credit, um, American Horror Story. They actually, in their mm-hmm. freaks, uh, as an homage to Todd Browning, they also cast people who fit the roles because they're they're LGBTQ filmmakers. They're nothing if not hyper aware of the importance of true representation in characters. Now, we could get into the talk about whether or not somebody has to be a thing to play that role. And I think that's a, 
that's a that's, fascinating argument. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a tough gray area because on yeah. one hand, you want that proper with, representation, right, right? But on the other hand, you have to look at the other side of the coin and say, you know, in 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 the case of someone, you know, in the LGBTQ community, you want queer actors playing queer characters. Absolutely. But then it's like, okay, well, you can't play straight characters. Well, right. You know so what that, I mean? It's right. Like, and it's so, a tricky, like, wouldn't yeah. an actor not? But I guess the bottom line is that until we get to a point where there is true equity and true equality, mm-hmm. Emmys, I'm looking at you. And I like Ted Lasso. So it's hard for me to choke back and admit that this is all right. I think Ted Lasso is an amazing show with a level of heart I haven't seen in a long time. I didn't watch the Emmys. I don't, I don't, I don't oh, know what. Basically people are still calling upon how whitewashed and how problematic and how absolutely idiotic the Emmys was. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. And how they're only, they, they continue to ignore people of color and marginalized groups in creating. And it's infuriating because like things that should have gotten recognized didn't. And then a bunch of white people want to get. So that was the critique with the Emmys. Okay. But again, like it's hard. Cause I, for the record, I do love to, I don't know if you've seen Ted Lasso yet, but it's a great, adorable little show. And, um, I, that made me think of this. This was because I was in the throes of the whole Todd Browning thing. It's like, you know, the bottom line is someone who has most of these these disabilities is never going to get cast in anything except as that role. So mm-hmm. it's why they do absolutely deserve to play those roles and that why exactly why nobody who doesn't have that disability should be playing that role. And I'm going to give that hot take for stuff like people who try to play mentally, you know, like um, even on the show Glee, I thought it was, uh, even though they effed up with the kid in the wheelchair, they did good at casting a Down syndrome person for, to play a Down syndrome person, casting special needs people to play roles that, that, you know, like it means, I think it's so important. And he did it when nobody would have ever done it. He did it. And I think he deserved as, as uncomfortable as this film is. And I will admit I was, when I was little, I was scared of this movie and I always feel guilty. And I think that that's part of like it's a horror movie. It's okay that I was scared because I was scared for a reason. But at the end of the day, one of the things I love about this film is that part of what makes this a horror movie is how uncomfortable it forces you to be. And I think if you're saying, well, I'm not uncomfortable, either you have a, a exposure to people with disabilities that I, I don't have, or you're full of shit because, yeah. you know, most people w- do have, you know, like it's, it's true. Even to this day, you feel a certain level of discomfort because you're a good person and you want to do what's right by this person. And you get all awkward and weird watching this movie is one hour of that straight where you're like, where? I just want to hug Hans, but I don't think that's appropriate. Like I know. Well, they were, I, I had read that, you know, in, you know, in 1932, some people were uncomfortable watching this movie because they're seeing people with disabilities living their normal lives. This this wasn't necessarily the movie where, you know, okay, it's called Freaks and we're going to show the freaks doing their freak thing. It was, right, they were these just... are the, we never really see the performers doing the performance. We see them living their regular lives, doing, so doing just their thing. People were made very uncomfortable seeing the average type people, you know, with, with Hans and Frida, which by the way, Frida, she has the heart around her name because Frida, she's my jam in this movie. And oh, yeah? I loved her. She was my absolute favorite one. She I love Frida. Is, in the she's beginning, my, home girl. my yeah. note was, I love Frida. Frida gonna cut a bitch. I, was, uh, I loved and, Frida. And I, I hope. Yeah, see, I, I do too. I loved I loved all of them though. Like, And I agree, you're right. I never thought of the fact that at the end of the day, you never see them performing. And, and the only people who you see kind of sort of working on it are the people who are, you know, normative. 
like because you see uh frozo kind of work on his act but he's Mm -hmm. a clown and then that's another fascinating like the fact that they made the one you know perfectly normal nice guy be a clown i thought was yeah Mm -hmm. like a very thematically interesting thing you know you know who my jam of jams is which one the the guy that was the human torso or the one that was like the the half half woman half man oh half woman half man okay so i so here's part of my what i did I started looking into many of these performers. Oh my uh, God, me I wanted, too. I wanted to see like, was there anybody Josephine that was- Joseph, right? Yeah, Josephine Joseph. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see if there were anyone that, like I didn't know if this was, these are all performers or if any of these people were actors in makeup or or whatever. Um, Hans and Frida are actually brother and sister, mm-hmm. which they're fantastic. Right. Like I said, Frida's my jam. She is I know. My I don't want to like poor things that they had to go there with their brother or sister, but they did so good. Their <laughs> acting is so good. I just, oh God. The, yeah, the, no. I, I She walks back in my, at the end, like me with a single tear. Like I it fucking gets me, man. <laughs> the the torso guy. Yes. Oh, Prince, I, Prince Randian, I believe is go. his yeah. name. Watching him light his cigarette. Dude, I, it was I'm like, I couldn't stop watching. Like, and again, it's like an, I felt a discomfort that I thought the, uh, the actor, I forget the actor, I think, oh, Wallace Ford, the guy who plays Frosso, he, mm-hmm. Frosso or whatever. He did such a good job of having that. Should I help? Should I, what, what do I do? And just awkwardly watch. Like he was awesome. What I love about them. And, and I do think that Venus is like a really important, like um, anti Cleopatra, right? She's the mm-hmm. sweet girl. She gets screwed over by Hercules. She gets treated badly by the men. And then, you know, Froso, even, even he is like at first, like, like kind of hesitant because they're, they work together, but then they form such a sweet little relationship, but they are us, right? They are the norm, like the normative non-handicapped person watching and living in this world and trying to like the way that they have to not ignore the disabilities, but normalize them is something that I find really touching and a really clever way to put me in the movie. Like I watch them. They're trying to be the best ally that they they can be at a time when that wasn't in the, you know, the lexicon, like, you know what I mean? They're trying to be the ally. Thank you for saying the thing I could not think to, to, to vocalize it as. Yeah, that's exactly it. They are all of us. They are the ally trying to do right by everybody. Fuck. That's a good call. And they are uncomfortable and, and questioning how they should act in so many different scenes right yeah and i love i freaking just love it and also browning said the code of the freaks is legit i think they really do have like i mean it's like the code of the me and you if somebody misses with you i'm 100 percent gonna turn them into a half person there's, half a, there's the jersey ghouls code we have right that. it's totally unspoken that. but it's there yeah and, and i think the freaks the the freaks in this film i don't want to call them freaks in real life the i what would i guess performers in real life do yeah. have that code it made me think of that episode from um, the X-Files. There, it's an amazing episode. It's one of the best ones. There's an episode of the X-Files where they have to go down to Florida to basically, I mean, and I think this is true, right? That there is a town in Florida where many um, off-season and retired performers in the, you know, sideshow. Yeah. That's where they live. Yeah, Humbug. Humbug? Mm-hmm. There you go. Man, I, I'm my pathetic love of that series knows season no two episode 20 yeah such a good episode and and, and that's, the, that's the thing like in that episode 
it's not just people with certain disabilities, like the the whole sword swallowing thing. Well, that's in Freaks too. You it have is. sword swallowers. So it's not always- One of the about, only performative things you see. Yeah, like it's not always about someone with a disability. Like, the you know, it's not always like the bearded woman or schlitzy who had the um, microcephaly and like the two, the two girls, um, Jenny Lee and Elvira Snow were the two other, and this is their phrase from 1932, but like the pinhead characters. Yeah. Again, there's like the performers that had microcephaly, which- Yeah, which again comes back in, in American Horror Story when they use people with yeah. that disorder, which is, um, yo, did you know that the guy who like sticks the things up his nose and everybody thinks he's the killer in Humbug? also get does origami with his genitalia and that's how he would entertain this the people on the set of first of all I, I guys i'm gonna think i'm just gonna thank imdb here i certainly did not invent these fun facts for myself but imdb in the episode that in notes literally i'm sorry to interrupt literally said in between takes jim rose would entertain the cast and crew with his skills in organ origami i.e twisting his genitalia into odd shapes oh okay I thought you meant he could make origami with his genitals. And I'm like, how are you folding paper with your genitals? No, okay. no, I, that's oh, like, I think he's making, I think he's folding it into a fucking swan, dude. No, that's I mean, origami. I know, I, I get what you're saying now, but I oh, thought like he to, literally was, was like his little penis had arms and he was folding paper. The other note I have is that I like the way this film feels very old world feels like a world even though it's 1930s even though it's probably in the U.S. right yeah it feels like it takes place a long time before that and and not in America like I, I think it's just an interesting way that it's set up in that he you know like I don't know I I thought it was funny now here's here's my question because I thought I didn't have a problem with a misogyny or lack of feminism in this film because a I'm looking at it with the with the thought that it takes place in the 1930s but b looking at it as the character the the villain is a woman because she's evil not because she's a woman right because mm -hmm. Hercules is is just as villainous as she is and the other women in this film are incredibly like yeah sure there's they wind up falling for a man but for neither of them does it seem like something they're not 100 okay with or into like with with the whole date thing she's pissed when he can't go on the date like she's definitely like you know up front with him in a way that's weird and probably freakish so to me this whole film serves as a metaphor for the people who are now in post you know, the 1930s America. And what I mean by that is a place where women are equal, where women have the vote, where women can work if need be. You know, all of these things where now you're a freak because you are X, Y, and Z. The only people in this, this film who get labeled freaks who aren't actually, you know, have some sort of disability or talent or whatever are the women. Why mm -hmm. is, Cle like, why is Cleo in the circus? What's her She's role? a trapeze artist. She's a trapeze artist. Okay. Oh, that's right. Because he says he has a new trapeze thing for mm -hmm. her. Um, what about Cleo? What does she do? She a dancer? Yeah, I don't know if she's a dancer. I don't know if she's like one of the like horse performers that like she's gets all bodied up and like stands on the horse and right? like, trotting. I don't and she could she could also be a um I don't know if she's contortion. I don't know what Nina right. does. But they're beautiful. And it's like so it's like to me, them being in the film is equal to like, but there's plenty of other women in she the She also could have yeah, she also could have just been like the assistant to the strong man kind of thing, or like the like the magician yeah, or like one of the character. Right. right. Yeah, but I he, do I do love that the real freaks in this movie are like the, the normal able-bodied yeah. normative, you yeah, know, because Hercules like, is they're just, the freaks. Yeah. 
they are the freaks. And I, I also love, I love the code part. And I love how haunting that scene is, dude. The rain, the thunder and lightning, them. Cr- and again, I like hate- you feel guilty yeah. for being as, as thoroughly uncomfortable as you are. But I think that's part of the beauty of this film and why we're still talking about it so much I later. Mean, you, ooh, every ooh. good, every good campfire ghost story starts on a dark and stormy night. Mm, and there is There's a, a reason. reason. There's it a is, reason. It is so, and listen, I'm all about a good sunny day, uh, beautiful sky you know uh morning horror movie but man there's something to be said for that old school black and white dark and stormy night dude it Mm -hmm. gets me that end five minutes and for a film that's only an hour you never feel like it's short no no i also love that like you obviously know what happens at the end of the movie right but so much is left to speculation Mm -hmm. like you know exactly like you know because all you see is cleo running off and yeah she's being chased but like there's you know at the at the one point at the end hans was like you know you know i didn't stop them and they were like well you didn't do anything so it's like you no know, maybe hans's right. hands are clean but we don't i know think who else's i don't think are clean i don't or... think any of the rest but hot take i don't think the rest of them felt guilty enough for a second oh no i think he's you know, the only hans is the only one who gives guilty. a crap and he's just and yeah. when i i love yeah you're right the morality of it all being so great i love that i think like i get the impression too that um venus and uh uh Froso. I keep calling him Frozo, like in the Incredibles. Frozo <laughs> are <laughs> are like um are complicit in this too. Like they know they know what's about to go down when when uh Hercules gets stabbed and they like slowly kind of crawl away. They know what's about to happen. And not only do they know it, but I think they're totally complicit and totally fine in it. And I gotta tell you, coming from an Italian North Jersey family, if you know what I mean, I'm here for it. You got a code, yeah. you stick to it. It be what it be. I have never committed any crimes for any FBI agents who are listening. Just because I'm like literally three degrees separate from them in bloodline doesn't mean you could uh, put, put FBI vehicles outside my house. Uh, let me see. I think I talked about everything in my notes. Did yeah, I say, have... that's everything from my notes. I bought that. I'm going to buy that book if I don't own it. I don't think I own it. Now. I, yeah, I think that's all my notes. I was just, I didn't even take a lot of notes while watching. I just literally. Yeah, no, most of my notes came from afterwards because I was just, like, again, the movie is only an hour long, but you're sucked into the movie because it's just the movie starts and shit just happens right away and you want to punch Cleo in the face and I just want to high five Frida and you know you're shipping Frozo and Venus the whole time I love like I love it first when he's just like you know you damn broads you're crying over nothing don't you cry my you know little don't you I know he starts out such a fuck it up and blah 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 and then you know it's like at first I was watching it and I was like well, wait, like, what's, like, I didn't know their relationship at first, and I'm like, I guess they're just, like, you know, kind of besties or whatever, and and then, Same. like, they, they kind of, and I'm like, then she starts to catch feelings, and and then when he kisses, you know, it's like, just, you know, he kisses her, and he's like, I've wanted to do that for a long time, and, and it's it was like, the hug after the kiss made my heart melt, it was I such know. a, like, I genuinely just wanted you to take, I want to be the big spoon and the little spoon, right, oh. and you know what, and I love, I know they're brother and sister in real life, but Frida and Hans, like I love at the end of everything. And like Hans, so much of this is your fault because you're a dumbass thinking with your wiener, you know, completely thinking with your wiener in the situation. And you know what? She shouldn't have taken him back. I I was going to say at the end of it all, she was like, you know what? I still love you. I forgive you. You know, like she was way cooler than I would be for like so much of it. (laughs) You know, like when she confronted him. He had a big library. And I'm, yeah. I'm like, I would, 
I would, ma- I might, you know, I'm not convinced that Frida had a little bit of a gold digger herself too. <laughs> right? I now, just, I know, she's she, she just handled things way better than I would because, you know, they, they were I engaged and she went her. to them yeah. and she went to him and was like, hey, I get it. You like her, but you shouldn't, but fine. And then she goes to Cleopatra and she's like, I know you're just fucking with him. Like, please don't. Right, and Cleopatra like, was such a bitch. Like I oh, was such just, a bitch. I would just be going in there with like fucking guns blazing. Me like, too. I, I would, would literally go have in... scissors in my hands and cut yeah, off his penis. I would be swinging yep. fist. I love Me how too. I say I'd go in swinging fist. I wouldn't. I'm all talk, but still, no, I would not. talk. Not, you would go. I would. Be I, would you. I don't know that I would I'd be really behind like, you. Like stop, sweetie. I'd be like, don't hold me back, Jackie. Don't hold me back. I and feel I like instead you. of being like actually violent, like I would try to find another way to fuck with her life. Yeah, you're right. You are more. Yeah, you would more like, yeah, like yeah. somehow ruin his fortune or something. Yeah. Like, I would, you know, I would yeah. wind up in prison because I would take the scissor, the most sharp local object, and we. I would do my own version of organ origami. Ah, I bought it back. I bought. There. That's called the callback. Everybody, I'm here all night. Ah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. You're right. I would definitely kill. I would. That's a murderable offense in my. That's my code of the freaks between me and myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like what? A, like I just talk to myself. Like I'm all the little. I'm like, go ahead, do it. You won't. Okay, you're right. I will. <laughs> like that's my code of the freaks. Um, but yeah, no, she is a saint for taking him back. I would. I'm no libraries worth that girl. Um, and I also like how you never really know for sure. And you're right. There's an ambiguity to it all. And hot take. I don't think the circus life looks too bad. I've always wanted to live in one of those caravans. <laughs> oh my like God, all the too. circus movies. <laughs> anytime, you know, they've had like the, the, the gypsy cavern or tavern, <laughs> not tavern, um, caravan. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, like any movie that's, that's had like the, what's that? I don't think that's PC anymore. Well, no, I was getting to that because I, I know that they're <laughs> <I'm> gypsy. Thin. I guess you. <laughs> no, the anyone that lives, let me rephrase that. Anyone that lives the nomadic lifestyle. Oh, so PC. Gypsy. <laughs> anyway, ever since I was little, whenever you see those kind of caravans, like I've always wanted to. Me too. I'm in. Where do I always, sign? Always, always. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of what movie I'm thinking of. There's so many movies where the circus just looks so appealing to me that I can't even like it begin really to. Am I thinking of Indiana Jones? No, because that's the train. That's yeah, that's, that's not a the train. Circus, yeah. I don't know. I can see it in my head, but I can't. Fifel was it like the? Oh my Fifel god, movies? the Fifel goes west. Not not. Oh, Fifel, the, what's the no, first they, one? The American Tale. There are no cats in America. That one. <laughs> <laughs> I know my five. Anyway, I've always wanted to live in a circus caravan. Me too. I'm thinking I'm of big. To, I'm it. thinking of. I'm thinking of. Um, big top. Big top peewee. peewee. That's I told what you. Big, I said at the beginning, you goof. I Did you? Like, oh, I'm sorry. I was I like, that. oh, big top peewee. And oh, I missed that. Like, that movie. That, I want to live in. I want to live in Me this too. like that. A hundred percent. And I, you know, it's like I want to do like a trapeze or like I, I, you know, tame lions or you know, it was funny. I definitely grew up thinking only boys tame lions like that kind of both, like. That was a job in my head that I never saw females do. More females in lion taming, y'all. Am I right? <laughs> That's going to be the new charity. Oh, I forgot. I do have one more note. Another okay. reason why I love Frida, and actually not the character Frida, the the real-life actress, actress? Uh, Daisy. Later on in her career, she was known as the miniature Mae West. And I absolutely love that. Oh my God, no that. way. I absolutely so love that she cute. was the miniature. Because like when you look at her, yeah, like she's a little... 
She got, she got curved. She a little va-va-boom. She has, she does. All right. Well, I have to say that so far we're two episodes into this history of hard jazz and I'm loving it. I feel like we're, I'm falling back in love with like the academic classics of horror and why the canon is the canon. It makes me want to like go watch, you know, behind the scenes commentaries and stuff like that. It makes me feel better and smarter about what we do. But yeah, next, tune in next time, you guys. Cause well, first of all, we're going to have a very, very, very special little treat for you guys to kick off the month of October. No spoilers, but let's just say you even have a whole new opening coming your way. Just a special one. Kicking off October, uh, we are going to drop a bonus episode on October 1st. Very special episode. Uh, But after that, we will be continuing. Uh, We're going to, we're going to dial it to 19, the 1940s. Yeah. I was going to say, we're going to dial it to the 1919. And I was like, that's not the right year at all. Go the other way. We're going the other way. 19, we're going to hit the 1940s. Woo. And we're going to keep going until we get right to today, I think. And I'm really excited because we have so much going on in the month of October. I can't even keep it all straight. I need a calendar. I need something. But um, let's just go in chronological order. The first thing is that Jackie and I are the official all-day masters of ceremony for the uh, Creature Feature Weekend that's happening at the Cumberland Drive-In. I'm super pumped for this one because this is like family-friendly fall fun at its best. There's like pumpkin carving, there's trunk or treating, which, oh my gosh, I can't wait to judge because I love a good trunk or treat. And I'm also getting candy, otherwise they're not going to win. So spoiler alert, (laughs) anybody listening from Creature Feature, if you're decorating your car, you better not stop me from eating candy because I'll cheat. Have Reese's peanut butter cups for her. Oh, you have to have. Yeah. Now, can I be? Have to have Reese's. (laughs) Now, this is an ethical dilemma. Should I allow myself to be bribed by the quality of the candy in the trunk, or should I only be judging based on the decoration of the trunk? Because I would argue the quality of the candy should be. I'm going to make a rubric. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, guys, crack everybody a creature feature. Don't worry, I'm going to make a rubric for judging the trunk or treat because this year don't. Don't, don't listen to Marissa. Just do what you want to do. And we cannot wait to see. We cannot wait to see what y'all are going to bring. All right. Fair enough. But I'm (laughs) telling you, if you want my rubric, hate me at at Rispoda because otherwise I'm not you're not going to know until and and people who cheat are going to know the rubric ahead of time it's like you know when you take a test if you know the rubric you always do better on the test like she's going to judge the quality of our candy if motherfucker shows up with a tootsie roll guess who's not winning um no if, if it's one of the vanilla tootsie rolls mm, you've got my did way I, I, I love the special fancy ones that are like delicious I said regular tootsie rolls regular tootsie rolls aren't bad and you know what, what? we've had this argument before y'all go back Blech. I can link it we did a top five best and worst Halloween candies episode. It was weird because Jackie's were the five worst and mine were the five best. So that's just weird how that worked. So but yeah, weird. they also have, holy crap, you guys. Mick Garris is not only going to be present for this event, but he he's going to be allowing people to sign whatever. Like BYO, bring your copy of The Stand, bring your copy of Masters of Horror, bring whatever. I, for me, it's bring Hocus a, Pocus. Oh my God, my, I'm going to bring my Hocus Pocus DVD. I'm going to bring my Underoos. I'm going to bring everything and he's going to sign it. And here's the craziest part, you guys. He is signing things with a suggested donation to Scares That Care. That's right. For So for everyone who listens, and I know there are a lot of you out there who go to cons, if you pay 30, 40, 50, $60 for, you know, girl who died number four, then guess what? You better show up and bring your money for Mick Garris because this is a guy who you usually can't get an autograph with if you want to pay for it. And he's doing it for cheapsies or freezies. 
for charity. So bring your cash. It's all going to a good cause. And holy crap, Jackie, I'm meeting Mick Yaris. I know. I'm super excited. Uh, the night is going to be ending with, we got Hocus Pocus on the drive-in screen. My God. And oh. then Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Again, all of these things, we're going to link uh, the event. We're going to link Scares That Care. We'll have all of this stuff linked in the notes. But yeah, October 9th. And shout out to the, the people who run the Creature Feature Weekends because they literally do these charity shows like a couple of times a year they give proceeds to scares that care so it's amazing to me to have a con who is literally giving back to the world in another arena we are also going to be spending some time this october at monster mania you guys just when i thought they were out they pulled me back in bring us back in uh (laughs) this year they have moved it to the greater philadelphia expo center in oaks pennsylvania so you know i know you gotta watch out for the murder dirters there too Oh, yeah. The, the murder dirters aren't that far from there either. The murder, you dirter, and then they'll eat their hoogie. That's true. <laughs> um, we have we have moved out of the cramped conditions that was the Cherry Hill convention. Can I just say hallelujah? I know. <laughs> for, because for Pete's sake, it was getting a little toy. Very, very much looking forward to the setup uh, at the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center. I mean, guys, let, let's just talk about how, like, the headlining guests... There's going to be a Monster Squad reunion. And you guys know how important Monster Squad is. Um, Monster Squad so special. So important. The They're Eagles. all going to be there. So if nothing else, I'm going to go and I'm going to try to lick. I mean, I'm going to try to meet um, <laughs> the stars of Monster Squad. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that out there. God, I and hope there's I, a restraining order in I, store you know, for us. But if they give me consent, then it's okay. Then, then game on. That is total game Wednesday on. night. That's right. We just got to figure out how do I ask Ryan Lambert and Andre Gower? How do I politely say, I love your movie. Can I lick you, please? Why or maybe you... like I go in and be like, can I have your autograph? Lick you. And when they say yes. Ooh, then, I, then, no, I, I don't know if that's, that's the that we're looking that for. No, maybe. But you could, what you could do is ask directions from them. I know it's not in Central Park, but that's if ever there's a call to try for some romance. It's asking directions. It's a we'll have part. to. We'll have to. We'll have to. You know what? Maybe I'll, I'll ask them for. You know, I have to make it more. See, looking for directions in Central Park is definitely working for you because you're from the New York area. We're gonna have to bring oh, it gonna, down. We're gonna bring it down to me. For so like, you gotta be like looking for jaws yeah. in east in the on the east side of the city. Hey, do you do you want to go swimming in the Schuylkill? Oh, that's a good one. One of the nice things about Monster Mania is that we are being joined by none other than the director and founder of the Renegade Film Festival, Vanessa Wright, who's going to be rocking and partying with us all weekend. Oh, yeah. It's the mashup I've been waiting for. Renegade meets Jersey Ghouls. We are going out the weekend of the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th to Greater Oaks. Oaks. They say it right. Greater Greater Philadelphia Expo Center in Oaks. Yeah, so for the the rest of us, the Greater Oaks uh, Philadelphia Center, for people in Philadelphia, the Greater Oaks Expo with the hoagies turn at the hoagie sign um <laughs> i said it in both languages you're welcome i understood that's why that's why i'm getting okay. a medal in philly and you're not because <laughs> i'm care i am thoughtful enough to, to translate it to philadelphia 
<laughs> um, yeah, so we got a lot going on in the month of October, you guys. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Make sure you give us a like and a listen. If you do listen and you are one of these amazing people who are telling us that you are enjoying what we do, please take a moment to go on iTunes, click the stars, give us a like, tell us why you love us. Thank you to everyone who's been reaching out. We've been getting a lot of fans, a lot of likes, a lot of special love lately. And we are so lucky to everyone who we get to share this with. We hope you guys have enjoyed another decade in our horror history. Don't forget to check us out on social media. Just search Jersey Ghouls and you will find us. You will also find us on your favorite podcasting app. And you can also find us, how many times will I say find us, at jerseyghouls.com. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Murder Dirter. listening to the Geekscape Network.